to another episode of Tuning Fork, uh, the podcast about music and the Pitchfork Media Hype Machine. I'm David. Uh, my name is Matt. And today we're joined by a guest who we've never actually had on this show before. It's Jordan. Hi. You probably know him of the podcasts uh, Jurgenit, as well as more recently Like a Podcast and Slappers Only, which is another music-centric podcast on uh, this very fine network. Has Pitchfork Media ever done a review of like the Minecraft soundtrack? Because I think I think they've done a video game soundtrack. <laughs> we're gonna have some we're gonna have some problems yeah. if that's the case. Video games aren't real to music bloggers. Yeah, that's very true. Just like music re- isn't real to video game bloggers. <laughs> Portal came out and everyone was like, "Who the fuck is the National?" It's Jonathan Colton. Now that's the only artist that I respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I do like the tunes of Jonathan Colton. He does some good songs. He has some good songs. He got uh, a couple of uh, just, albums do, produced I, by John Flansburg. Oh, Indeed. yeah. I just, I really do find the, the the mentality of I can only listen to music about my nerd shit uh, to be a very funny mentality that I definitely had at <laughs> yeah, some point too. in my life. <laughs> For about two or three years, that was me. In middle school, all I listened to was, like, video game songs Halo and Flight of the Concords. So that was, was I know the Halo right. thing is definitely the case for Matt. Yeah, I I, I had my my triangular MP3 player with only the Halo Two soundtrack on it. I, I mentioned this on Slappers Only. <laughs> that's that's yeah. all that could fit on there. That's all you need. Yeah, but we're not actually talking about video games today, even though we are all gamers. Um, today we're actually talking about uh, one of Jordan's favorite bands ever. Oh, did you want me to say who it was? Yeah. Oh, it's Fleet Foxes. Fleet it's Foxes. Fleet Foxes. These foxes are moving too fast, and I have to ask you, what is the what do those foxes say? Uh, oh, wait, they were saying the, that they were following the eye was following the eye was they following were saying, the eye. I do love that classic internet song. Yeah. Um so Fleet Foxes, uh, a band started in the mid aughts, uh, I think put out their first EP in 06. Yeah, that was, that was when the first. That was when the self-titled came out. The self-titled yeah. EP, as opposed to the self-titled album, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah, the the EP that said the Fleet Foxes on the front. I'm glad that bands decided to to just drop the the. Yeah, yeah, the the is the worst. It's like the worst thing that happened in music. Except for in the life. band the the who are fine. The the is the only one, but that's like subversive at that point. Yeah. Right. Do you know that this band was originally called the Pineapples? Were they? According to Wikipedia. I need to actually read the think, Wikipedia article. Apparently, I think that I think that a people people's engagement with this particular indie folk band would be very different if they were called the Pineapples. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yes. feel like uh, the way that Fleet Foxes came about at like popular their popularity rather, um, like obviously the music is good. We we will be talking about the ways in which the music is good, um, but it really was kind of just like a total artistic package. It's yeah. a bunch of guys with beards. They have like classical <laughs> art as the album cover. They're called Fleet Foxes. Yeah, it was that kind of thing that happened in the mid 2000s where like it, it was like the lumberjack wave movement. Yeah, it's it really is a a gesamtkunstwerk. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. and then it, and then it gave way to as Carlos called it, uh the who even won the Civil War wave music? Um, <laughs> oh. Was it the immediate res- the, the immediate popular response to Fleet Foxes? I think was- it was Lord Mumford and his sons, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, I mean, I, I feel like the popularity of Fleet, the popularity of Fleet Foxes directly led to the popularity of Lord Mumford and his sons, and the band of the Civil Wars. This is completely off topic and unrelated. I just accidentally clicked over to Blazeball.com and there's a big squid on the screen, and I'm just going to close <laughs> that so I'm not thinking about it for the rest of the episode. But oops. that's probably a good thing to do. It's yeah, probably great. It's probably it's like the it's like the Mario Kart item that just puts the blooper on your screen. Yeah, it's crazy with the ink, blooper is just interrupted in by podcast energy. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, so I, I, there's a gooper blooper on the field, and now we need to listen to Fleet Foxes <laughs> to stop thinking about him. That's the only thing to to stop to stop thinking about gooper blooper is to put on you know put on White Winter Hymnal or yeah. any of their other songs. But yeah, like I feel like it was like it was really like an aesthetic moment for like the. Uh, the 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 folksy side of the of uh, of the indie pop movement, like Devendra Banhart was making tunes for many years before, but was you know a lot weirder than Fleet Foxes. Yeah, yeah. And then Bon Iver happened like around the same time as this. Yeah, yeah. Like the initial release of Forema, uh, the original release of Forema Forever Ago was like late two thousand seven, and then yeah. the reissue would have been around when this came out. Yep. But yeah, and so you you had all of these white men with beards, uh, including uh, eventually in this band, um, Papa John Shitfaced. <laughs> yeah, Daddy Johnny Wet was briefly in the band. <laughs> yeah, Minister, for about four Minister or five John years, Moist. I think he was yeah there for four years, and then he left, and now they don't like to talk about him anymore. Which is fine. I talked about this in the in the chat that I had a a, a good friend, like my music friend. Um, in high school, which, it, which I mean, I, I got into Fleet Foxes when I was like, I don't know, 13, 14, and uh, listening to all their albums, even though they had come out years and years before I'd listened to them. I think the first album that I bought when it was brand new was literally the one that came out, uh, Crack Up, which is the third one that came out in 2017. I had my, I, my friend, he was like, oh, Jordan, you love Fleet Foxes, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, oh, well, they have this guy who he was in their band. And he went off to do his own thing. You got to check him out. His name is Father John Misty. And I said, wow, okay, I'll check it out. And then I listened to what, like two songs on his first album. And I said, oh, no. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you, please. Why is this happening in my ears? His, yeah, voice, is, his that... voice is pretty good. I just don't like yeah. his writing. <laughs> yeah, his writing is, is uh, unfortunate. It's yeah. that wave of like um, early 2010s uh, indie artists where they like – leaned a little bit more into the sleazy personas. They really mm -hmm. wanted to talk about, like, all of his favorite bodily fluids in every song. Yeah, exactly. Like his, jo I, Father John, uh, Papa Sean, shit face, favorite song, <laughs> You're Shitting and Coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple of those artists were shitty for other reasons, which we don't need to get into on this yeah. uh, on this podcast, but yeah. definitely is a thing to uh, watch out for when you're digging back into this era. I would mean, just say, like, more or less, we're not going to be covering Benji. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So but Fleet Foxes. Fleet Foxes, the, the album. Foxes. Fleet Foxes, the album, was uh, their first release to get them on TV. Like, Sun Giant came out a couple of months before and had a whole bunch of uh, popular songs on it. And then they managed to get on shows like, you know, Conan O'Brien and Saturday Night Live and get a, a YouTube video of... Uh, Yorma Tacone dancing in front of the stage during dress rehearsal with his shirt off and playing saxophone. Amazing. An absolutely classic video. Yeah. We love to see it. Yeah, like, I, it almost seems like, um, 
like you could almost like discuss Sun Giant and Fleet Foxes as like a pair because they really they they're often talked about together. I, f- I feel like some some year end lists even just put them together. Yeah, I think they might have actually been at, at at least at one point like released as part of the same package. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. It's kind of funny because it's just a, a circumstance of you know of a time where I didn't just you could I couldn't just personally get all the music I wanted whenever I wanted. That like I listened to the shit out of Fleet Foxes and I've listened to Helplessness Blues and Crack Up a billion times. Uh, and just by circumstance, I never owned Sun Giant. So it's the one that, I mean, I know Mykonos, that song I've listened to a thousand times, because that was one of the only songs I bought when I had, like, <laughs> teen money. When you but got your, buy your the cool EP. iTunes gift card. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, I'm not going to buy, I'm not going to buy, you know, all these songs. I'll just buy the one that, that people like. Uh, so Sun Giant is the one I've barely listened to, which is kind of upsetting to me. I just always am like... Well, I'll listen to the ones that I know I like. Yeah. But it's a good album, or it's a good EP. Yeah, it's almost a shame that Mykonos wasn't on, like, the, the main album release. Yeah, it really should. They should have swapped, like... I think I think the um, the deluxe version had the alt version of Mykonos on it, um, which is also very good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, not not the main album release, which, yeah, we could, we could talk about, like, our overall look on the track listing uh, at the end, because that's usually when we kind of throw that stuff. But yeah, the music video, the music video for Mykonos, uh, is that paper craft stuff, right? Yeah, it was like Super the paper first, Mario. like, it was like the first video like that of this era, I, I think, um, that I remember, um, cause you know, like Grizzly Bear had a couple of, uh, videos that had a little bit of stop motion, but those came a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just kind of that cool like almost like uh Windows Media Player visualization, but it's actually a music video. <laughs> it's cool. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Fleet Foxes has some some pretty decent music videos. Yeah, yeah they're not, really they're like not a... all just men with guitars. Yeah. That was like kind <laughs> of um because it was like the peak of uh like YouTube music video popularity for like indie music. Like it was a it was a time for a lot of bands putting out music videos, which like you get a lot less of that now. Yeah, it, I it's feel more like like, uh, like big recording artists have leaned back into the music video because like YouTube streaming now actually has royalties yeah. that they can actually make money off of. So it's like something they can actually, you know, foster now that people aren't watching their music videos on TV much anymore. I feel uh, like if anyone like, you know, any musician kind of really rode the YouTube train, it was probably like OK Go who like rode oh, it straight absolutely. into the sun. Because no one did YouTube better than than them, and they're still pretty <laughs> yeah. good at it. Yeah, we we and could cover OK Go on this uh, on this show for um, uh, one of their extremely low rated albums, of which I, they have two on Pitchfork. <laughs> I I have never like sat down and listened to a full OK Go album, but I always am like their music's pretty good. I like OK yeah, Go. No, it's, I I would not say it's bad. No. Yeah. But like um, OK Go's oh no got a two point two. Did it really? <laughs> That's pretty yeah, incredible. Unfortunately, that's that's I, I the hate self, to hear the it. self-titled got a two point six, and then they haven't actually reviewed any of their albums since. Seems like someone at Pitchfork just is not a fan of of these four quirky quirky men. I mean, that's basically it. Yeah, <laughs> they like, saw what? the video of them driving with like the stick out the window, hitting all the pianos, and they were like, "We cannot let this stand. <laughs> I love we will the, not I be reviewing that, this, good sir." I love the time the Fleet Foxes did that with a horse. <laughs> All right, shall we uh, shall we start with uh, 
uh, we, we should probably actually mention the review. Um, it, it's uh, got a 9.0, which is a really damn good score. Um, the review mm-hmm. was by Stephen M. Dusner. And I, be- it really, I believe this uh, is our first deuce. This is our first deuce. I think it He's is. He's done yeah. all of their albums, right? It's the same guy reviewed every album they've done. Did he? I thought. I thought so. I I, I do know that every album that Fleet Foxes has released on Pitchfork got their like best new album award. Yeah. The only yeah. thing of theirs that hasn't is the uh, the first collection re-release, yeah. and even then it got that got an eight point one. So no, yeah, they uh, <coughs> crack ups and Ian Cohen review and helplessness blues is a Larry Fitzmorris. Gotcha. Both I, of whom I think we've was... covered. Yeah, you're, he by did. The end uh, of the... Deucener did Sun Giant also, though. The more podcasts you do, you're just going to get to know these people's inner psyche <laughs> as you. I mean, read there's the some reviews. of them we just kind of do. Yeah. I, I do can, follow really... Larry and Ian on Twitter as well. Yeah, yeah, because they're like they're good writers. Yeah, I liked the review that that they wrote for uh, their self titled. Yeah, it's I like good. reviews. It's very, that, um, it's very straightforward. I'd say I like reviews like, that line up with with things I think. Um, <laughs> I like when I agree with reviews. I guess is my my point. And there's things that I've said about Fleet Foxes that I see in that review, and I say, ah, I am critic. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very broad review. Um, I, I guess it's it it falls into like kind of a it's almost like a pitfall of reviews of this type of music, in that it spends a lot of time talking about the things that influence Fleet Foxes without talking about Fleet Foxes directly. Yeah, that's a thing. They're just like this happens so much with Pitchfork because it's like I need to I need to flex my musical knowledge muscle. I need to show you all the different kinds of genres that I know about. I know about Fleetwood Mac. But maybe my about, readers I know, do not. I know, I know how to spell the word Appalachian. Yeah, if I say Appalachian folk, I just get ten cred points, cred coins, as I like to call them. <laughs> yeah, I wonder and, how many and reference, times these... uh, and reference AM country radio, <laughs> which like I that really doesn't feel like a like a reference that that lands as well. Yeah, I when I read that, I was like, "What are you talking about?" Are with we listening that one? to the same album? <laughs> are you listening to something completely different than I? Did you did you accidentally play uh did you accidentally put play Kentucky Route Zero instead of listening to the album? Ah <laughs> oh, man. And like and then like SoCal Pop, I I don't feel like is that's so broad. Yeah. They, the the, they south, saw the it, southern part of California has like as many people as Canada. They, they saw into the future where the fleet where Fleet Foxes had a song called Arroyo Seco and they said, "Ah, LA Highway. <laughs> this must be what that must be uh SoCal Pop." Yeah, best best coast came out around this time and used <laughs> reverb, and they were like, "Yeah, this sounds like best coast due to the reverb and such." Yeah, it's just really funny because, like, I mean, the fact is, everyone was just using reverb because it was the style at the time. Yeah, Th- this music is so to me, like, because because I grew up, you know, in the Pacific Northwest where Fleet Foxes is from, and to me, this music is just extremely that vibe. So yeah. to hear them describe it as SoCal pop is kind of a personal <laughs> insult to, that's to a, that's me. That's a, a large slight. Yeah, just extremely incorrect. Like, no, no, no offense taken, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, like if this music if was gonna... written for people uh, who live in mansions and have big aviator sunglasses and blonde this, hair. <laughs> you gotta hit the beach by pu- putting on uh, Oliver James. <laughs> Yeah, the, I would say like the the harmonies remind me of the some Pacific Northwest pop, like uh, the new pornographers. It sounds <laughs> al- it sounds almost hauntingly Canadian in its aesthetic. Don't you try to claim them, Matt? You get out of here. You sit down. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Stay in your country. Stay in your country. Um, Stay in your but country, yeah, the, Matt. The part of the review that I did like is how 
he he kind of like Jordan, you were mentioning it's like it really has like the Pacific Northwest sound, but at the very same time, the like the geographic references on the album are kind of all over the place, which yeah. uh, it kind of gives it like a placelessness, I think is the exact word that he uses, um, which is like really charming. It is. Yeah, cool. I think it's part it's, of it's part of really what it's part of what makes the album work. It kind of sounds like any local kind of folk band, no matter where you're from, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I feel. But but, you know, as as a proud Pacific Northwesterner uh, who has lived in Arizona for over half my life at this point, unfortunately, uh, I, I like to think of it as Pacific Northwestern. Yeah, it, it tracks. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's also just like um, Robin's vocals are um, his accent is almost ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 kind of, he puts he puts a slight affect on it sometimes. Yeah, he does the thing where like some vocalists do, where they just like to say words really weirdly because they think it sounds weird. I'm <laughs> oh my looking god, at there, you, are some words on, there are some words on this album. There. There's like um, on Quiet Houses when he's saying darkening. Oh, no, yeah, he's not. Those aren't no. the vowels he's saying. <laughs> that's not what he's, he's saying. saying darkening. He's saying darkening. Darkening. <laughs> Like fuck he, you. That's he a leans different a word. little bit hard into That's, the Americana twang. When yeah. you like, when you look at the geniuses at Genius Lyrics, and they they clear things up for you, and you say, "No, that's not what he's saying." He's speak, he's made up. It's it's he's made a constructive language for this yeah. one. He's yeah. speaking Hopelandic on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he pulled a cigarette on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we start with uh, "Sun It Rises"? That's a great song. Can I say that song was my alarm for multiple years, starting with ha- the I red squirrel a- in the morning. Yeah, I-, I had this as an alarm for a while too. It's it would a also great be like the kind of song. thing I would open radio shows with it sometimes, just because like it's the perfect opening song. It really is just like like I don't know. I would I would like drink a coffee and listen to this song if I lived in a place where uh like morning meant anything as opposed mm-hmm. to. The whole day feels exactly the same because it's always hot. Horrifying. Yeah, deeply um, upsetting. If if I didn't like directly recognize Robin's voice in the harmonies, I would just guess that this was an old recording that they earthed up for. Yeah, for the album. it's really well done in that way. But I you feel can like. you can really hear him on the trying to take. Uh, I'm coming to take you home at the end. Yeah, yeah. He's got a very distinctive voice, mm-hmm. but, but like, in a good way. That's clearly like a, a, wor- a work of the production, which I guess we can mention is uh, the whole album is produced by Phil Eck, who um, produced for Modest Mouse and uh, like a lot of other rock groups. Like this is like more of uh, more folky than most of his catalog, as far as I can tell. Yeah, he helped out with uh, Built to Spill, Modest Mouse, uh, The Shins, Band of Horses. Yeah, so like all the stuff that um, the, I mean, I, I would say that those bands like their their overs directly led into what made fleet foxes this is like, a, this just, album from, is from a, the indie rock side of things this album is also a sub pop joint right yes awesome as of uh, as as is expected yeah absolutely <laughs> i yeah 
it, I remember that it was sub pop because briefly uh, during like the the big um, popularity spike of the game Rock Band um, by Harmonix, uh, they had a service called Rock Band Network where people could um, download software and track their own songs into the into the game. And that Sub Pop is... promised that they would do that for their entire catalog, and they just never did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. And also, yeah. there were some buck wild things that they put in in Rock Band. Um, oh, yeah. I can't think of any specifics, but there was just you some... could play the Ultimate Showdown of Ultimate Destiny, yes, and also that was Brody what I was Quest, of. and also and Brody they, Quest. They put Brody Quest in. They put uh, they put I think both Portal songs in while we're talking about Portal. They put in um, Timmy and the Lords of the Underworld from South Park. <laughs> The, I mean, the, oh my the, thing, God. the thing about uh, about Still Alive is that that wasn't even like a Rock Band Network thing. That was an officially released uh, right. track. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, a song where the entire vocals are like processed through this this computer program <laughs> uh, is kind of interesting. I will say, I saw because um, you know that Valve is from is Seattle based. Uh, so I saw Ellen McLean in a play one time at my local theater. She was just in a show. Hell yeah. It was, it was awesome. I was like, the, and then it was it was just when Portal Two was coming out, so it was in the program. It said she's about to be in Portal Two. It's like, nice. fuck yeah. <laughs> seeing Spoilers. that the next thing that Phil seeing the next thing that Phil ac- uh, produced after this album was the Dodo's Time to Die in two thousand nine. Um, kind of makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I feel like this album got him some more work along the same vein. Yeah, but it's like uh, at the same time, it's like they they have like almost exact opposite. Um, like the Dodos and then this Fleet Foxes album have completely opposite like uh, ways to mix drums because the way that the drums are mixed on this album is like so counter to what I usually like in good drum mixing in yeah. that everything blends together and it's like almost inaudible. It gets there, it grants the rhythm and it's like they're it's all like gated and reverby. Um, yeah, but, like it just blends right in with the guitar. It works. It's better when, because uh, I listen to it with headphones on today, which I usually listen to music in the car. Um, yeah. And you can definitely pick out the drums a lot better with headphones, but like, mm-hmm. that's not, you know, it shouldn't well, be I mean, necessary. They're one of the things that's still in the center, because that's the other yeah. thing that the production of this album does, is that all the guitars are are like hard stereo panned. It's which some is a songs, it is some a songs in this album are like so much worse than others in that, well... Whatever the word you want to say for how you feel about where the guitars are. Um, When I did my first listen to it, I just had like one of my uh, headphones in because I was just listening on my earbuds. And I'm like, this song doesn't sound right. Pop the other earbud and I'm like, oh, there the guitar is. Like it just (laughs) it it was gone. It was just the other ear. You got to grounded to the left side. You stay there and think about what you did. Yeah. And then, yeah, my second listen was on like the, the ones I always use for recording. And yeah, like it's it's wild how how stereo panned everything is which like it sounds good on speakers it sounds good on headphones it's just it doesn't work if you try to one ear it oh no not at all i cannot i can one ear a podcast i cannot one ear music it makes me it makes my head hurt depends on what i'm doing yeah right away on this song you uh get treated to the fact that literally every person in the band uh provides vocals Mm -hmm. and they they do the like five-part harmony thing it's great I love when a band provides vocals instead of you know just having the singer do a bunch of do a bunch of layering. Um, yeah, like Robin's voice is obviously the most upfront, but everyone is kind of really uh, well like mixed in there. I don't know who it is that's singing the top harmonies at all times, 
My heart is telling me at least because because I've been to like four concerts in my entire life and and one of them was was uh, Beach House and Fleet Foxes. My heart is telling me that when I saw them live, it was whoever was on the drums in their lineup was the one singing the uh, oh. the like high falsetto, which is kind of incredible to me. Honestly, anyone who that. plays anyone who plays drums and sings is braver than any troop. It's su- <laughs> as a person who who plays the drums or has played the drums for for a while it is so fucking hard to sing and play drums at the same time and also the idea of like getting your vocals in while you're playing yeah sounds you have impossible. To have a crazy amount of breath control for that yeah. Oh, yeah and and to do and as a person who has sang tenor in choirs i can say that singing high up like that is also extremely hard and the idea of doing all of that at the same time is just mind melting yeah, like the drums on the album are are good. I, I would just say that they're pretty much like very rhythmic and very serviceable. So at least it's not something like um like seeing like Lightning Bolt or No Age play where like they're going absolutely ape shit on the drums while <laughs> it's, singing. It's got big indie rock drums. But to be fair, they are also singing a lot better than those guys. Yeah, yeah. it's Dean it's Spunk the thing is many things, but a great singer is not one of them. No, absolutely the, not. <laughs> the drums on this album are like. Are like the classic indie rock drums where it's like, uh, just you can't hit more than one drum or play a beat or you'll die. Like, you have to just kind of hit <laughs> work your way around the kit at all times. Yeah, lots and lots yeah. of bass drum with tons and tons of reverb on it, toms, and just kind of just kind of doing whatever. The, yeah, the, the thing about the drums on this album is like, if the, y- you can really, really hear the toms and the bass drum, like the, a lot of the time, but I think that's mostly just because the way that it's mixed makes the yeah. the, the snares just blend into the mix. Like they're they're the biggest culprit for like the the mixing crimes that actually do sound pretty good, but I would still <laughs> refer to them as mixing crimes. Um, <laughs> they could be in, mixed better, is is what I would say. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they 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 definitely learned. I mean, Phil yeah. did produce their next two albums as well and mixes them better on those. But I mean it's also like it, it can't, it's not all up to the, like the the job of the mixing and mastering. It's also how it's played and how it's how they want it to be done and how their production choices work with uh with the person doing the mixing and mastering. If you played this album for Steve Albini, he'd be like, "Um, where's the drums?" <laughs> <laughs> That's me though. I I hate when drums disappear in Yeah, in but music. Like, I I guess it, like, it, it works for this album though, I'd say. Yeah. Like you don't want super upfront drums in this no, yeah, very the, the, you know vocal album yeah. the vocals on the guitar are absolutely the focus at all times which is it's it makes sense but like i it's like this album and also the church's debut album would both benefit from being re-recorded with what they know about production later on in their careers yes absolutely like they both they both fall under that same niche for me of like they they they've learned how to make songs sound better even though like the songs on the first album are still the ones i like the most yeah i would agree with that well i would well, yeah, agree you, with the yeah with the with the latter part of it yeah yeah but i would agree that that i would love to hear them just like one more again this album yeah just <laughs> just 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 run it through again guys the, Give a little the, bit. The really it's entirely thing. possible. Like lots and lots of indie albums from the from the mid aughts are getting remastered these days. So like I, I've I've said that like the Fleet Foxes because because I'm such a big fan. I, I I feel like they 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 discover something new every album. 
Like, uh, I feel like in Helplessness Blues, they discovered A, proper sound mixing, and B, like, weird avant-garde jazz. And then in uh, Crack Up, it was that Robin Pecknell discovered that he could sing low. And that's what that was his his big his big innovation. I would love to see them come back and and try to try to hit some I of those songs with I those. Need. Yes, it's so funny. Um, <laughs> like when you listen to Crack Up for the first time and they haven't put out an album in a hundred years, and that's how it starts. And you're like, "Wow, good for you, Robin." Yeah, I'm very proud that you're showing off your brand new skill. It's good though. <laughs> He's the new king of the low notes. <laughs> he he can he can do everything. I'm interested to see what they're like. They basically like they're announcing their new record basically like in like two days, aren't they? Like yeah, properly I think announcing it's coming it? out. It's come. I think it's coming out on on Tuesday because it's already been announced and the track list has been announced. That's kind of how it's Fucked going up. this year. Is people just people just drop shit? I know. I, I kind of love it. It's yeah. great. It's it's gonna be that. What was that thing that the fucking asshole from uh, from Spotify said, where he's like, a band that doesn't put out an album every year doesn't need to exist anymore or something. I hate that motherfucker. <laughs> that guy should be, if there's anyone who should be put in jail for crimes, music crimes. Thank yeah. God that Spotify doesn't have the same disparagement clause that Amazon that Amazon Podcast has. So we could continue saying <laughs> fuck Spotify while people for some reason will decide to listen to this podcast on Spotify. Please. If you're listening to this on Spotify, why? Why you can't are you even doing tell, that? You can't even tell who listens to your podcast on Spotify. Oh yeah, so their analytics suck ass. Their analytics are like non-existent, so you could have a thousand viewers on Spotify, listeners on Spotify, and you wouldn't know. It'd just be a mystery to everyone. On that note, are we ready for White Winter Hymnal? Oh, it's the popular oh, yes. one. Yeah. It's this, the one that people know. Yeah, for some reason, like, th- this song has, like, the least going on of, I think, any other song on the album. Even even Oliver James has a little bit more going on than this song does. Some For some reason, this is just the one that, like, is, I would say it's probably their most popular that they've ever put out. Yeah, I think, it's, I it's probably definitely is, up yeah. there. It's, like, the one that, if they're gonna play a Fleet Foxes song on the radio, it's probably gonna be this one. Yeah, either this or Mykonos. Yeah, it is, it's a good song. It's it's a great song, I'd say. Uh, it's just weird. It's just not the best song in the album. I mean, there's such a um, fucking novelty of singing a song in round that I really yeah, like appreciate them going for. They're singing for. a song in round and it doesn't sound like preschool shit. And yeah. I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, you, you get the uh, you get the verse. Um, I was following the pack all swallowed in their coats, etc., etc. And then you get the big woo uh, instrumental part in the middle, which happens a lot on this album. Um, lots that, of whoa whoa's what, and woo woos. Is that what is that what Pitchfork thought was was SoCal pop? Were they like, oh, it's like the Beach Boys? <laughs> They're yeah. saying woo. Oh my god, is that literally what it was? Is that what SoCal pop means? Is just the is, Beach Boys? Because I'm going to be so fucking mad if that's literally what they meant. And they didn't want to just say the Beach Boys. It, if, I mean, Waves I think it might have even been a little less offended if they had just said that it sounded kind of like the Beach Boys because it had harmonies and stuff. But And you're saying they toured a- together? <laughs> what? Beach no, Boys no, and Fleet no, Foxes? No, 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 no. Wait, no, I said Beach House, not Beach oh. Boys. What? 
I thought you said Beach Boys, and no, that would have been said, that would be such a fucking good show. <laughs> it would. Yeah, isn't the guy from the Beach Boys like a huge Republican though? I mean, one well, of them. one of the guys is. Yeah. He's not is. one of the good ones. The he's worst the one, one who tours by himself and says he's the Beach Boys. Oh, very cool. <laughs> no, I saw them. I saw them. Uh, my forbidden secret older brother who doesn't podcast with me right. uh, for my birthday just order uh, got like they were just like general admission or like first come first serve tickets to see Beach House and Fleet Foxes at the Hollywood Bowl, which All I right. happen to live six hours away from. Um, and the only good thing about living in Arizona, I guess, um, and uh, he just got lucky and ordered them very quickly so we were in like the front two rows and the best part about that it was amazing but the best part was that there was this person in front of us who uh after beach house finished their set and it was very good set but after beach house finished they were just like all right we're leaving (laughs) all right (laughs) we don't want to see fleet foxes (laughs) i was like wait what i feel like the only time i'll do that at a concert is if i'm at a festival and i want to like beat the car rush getting out of there yeah, it was like they were playing an entire like two hour long set or something. Yeah. It wasn't two hours. It was like a it was a long set. And they were just like, Yeah, no, I I was just here for Beach House. I was just here to see the Beach Boys. God. <laughs> I um I'm really loving this one bit on the on the genius. Alternate, alternately, French revolutionaries often wore red scarves as political statement, which represented the blood of the bourgeoisie. In that <laughs> you, case, the pack may be a reference to the large, violent mobs that would witness guillotine executions. The speaker is, is either among the pack watching Michael under the guillotine, which turns Michael, the white no. snow red, or Michael. is waiting to be executed alongside Michael, the pack what? with the red scarves near and watching. Do you think this person went back and wrote this after uh, after Fleet Foxes referenced uh, the third of May and the Goya painting? Because yeah. I mean, that's that was a that was like a, a sort of musical uh, like textual motif in Crack Up, and I wonder if they're like ah European, you know, seventeenth eighteenth century politics on my Fleet Foxes album. I wonder how where else I can make this work. I mean, I kind of like it. <laughs> it it, it mean, does. It doesn't not work. <laughs> It does I'm, have thirty-eight upvotes. <laughs> I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it that that thirty-ninth. <laughs> yeah, um. I mean, it just like just thinking of it in the in the in the context of like, I mean, turning the white snow red as strawberries definitely means blood. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and and just like you know, kind of like fairy tale violent imagery. I I, I like it. It's that's kind of how I always saw the song anyway. Although I was when when you when people say the pack, I am imagining a bunch of cute wolves. Yeah, just some cute, like a bunch of white wolves wearing scarves, and like then walking and then, through the snow, and then and then one and of them gets the murked. Starks, and then the Starks show up, and then it's that. That's what it's about. If you think oh, about it, like like a funny like um, like a funny game of game like of a Thrones. funny Game of Thrones, Nintendo's Game of Thrones. Um, I'm honestly surprised a, that Fleet Foxes is not one of the bands that had a random Game of Thrones pa- cameo. I mean, it was <laughs> they would have fit right the, the fuck in. It was probably oh, because yeah. in the time that Game of Thrones was like on TV and big, uh, Robin was like getting a degree and wasn't doing music at the time. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess like the length of time that Game of Thrones was coming out pretty much completely lines up with the gap between yeah. uh, the 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 second and third album. <laughs> they were they were hiding because D and D kept asking them to come on. <laughs> and they were like, we can't put out any music because they're gonna keep asking us. Now, Genius is giving me a picture of what a strawberry looks like, just to really help me understand the metaphor. So that's 
I love this website. It's a really good one. We it's already saw one. that the previous year with Animal Collective Strawberry Jam. We know what a strawberry <laughs> looks like. <laughs> Animal Collective taught us what a strawberry looks like, but Fleet Foxes taught us what the color red can symbolize. I mean, the thing about the Animal Collective Strawberry is that is what a strawberry very much should not look like. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an upsetting looking album art to me. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little just a little gory. We we start out the next song Ragged Wood. Another big whoa moment. Just like the Beach Boys. We got this those whoa woes, like... la la's, and doot doos. <laughs> it's <laughs> la la's, na na's, and doot doos. Yeah, this thank is at you. My, at my top, my bottom 10. Um, <laughs> so I will say, I like that we, we both, both of us, except for <laughs> the people who don't do a Homestar Runner podcast talking about Homestar Runner. Um, <laughs> this song is like the hardest they go on the album, I think. Which is kind of funny, because it doesn't go that hard. It It is basically two songs back-to-back as one song. Yeah, It's like kind of this, or Your Protector also goes pretty hard. That's true, that's true. They go, I think the hardest they ever go is um, is probably Shrine and Argument on Helplessness, helplessness Blues. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Kind of, but on this gets, one. Yeah, on this one, you gotta just, it's Ragged Wood, but like at the, the first half. This is the longest song, right? It's a five-minute track. Yeah. Yeah. The quote-unquote second song in it is listed as the chorus in Genius, which doesn't really track to me. (laughs) What? The lie to me, if you will. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you can just say words, and they'll mean whatever you want. (laughs) I don't think this song has a chorus. No, no. Well, I guess maybe it's the part where it goes, you should come back home. That that's like the closest it has to a chorus because it's like a yeah. repeated thing. Yeah. The second half of the song is so cool with the organ. I I've a I go through phases of, of instruments I like. So like when I was I don't know a few years ago when I got really into prog rock I was just like I love the Mellotron. But now my my organ my uh, I'm an organ head and I love I love songs with electric organs specifically. Yeah, so if you can pull off a pipe organ, if you if you have the if you have the the guts to go for it and and nail it, then kudos yeah. to you. It's got a little I bit think- of that '70s rock feel with it, where where yeah. like everyone in the '70s was super into folk rock, but also organs. So you got both of those things on every single rock album. Yeah, it's almost. I would almost describe it as a SoCal pop. <laughs> <laughs> we call it SoCal soda here, actually. <laughs> The second Get half of, of the song is really where I started to notice the stereo panning the most, because uh, there's that really, really driving do 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 do, and that's like oh, yeah. only in one ear. Um, it is also where I noticed that this album has piano on it in more places than I thought there was. Yeah, it, um, it it's was completely a... lost in the mix. <laughs> oh no, you cannot, you cannot. And I love piano in in like rock music. It doesn't it doesn't happen enough, in my opinion. Uh, but it's a, yeah, it's just like it's so like it's blown the fuck out. It is yeah, like why? it is a rectangle in the mix, and it just it it goes right in there with the snare drums. Like I I feel like Phil Eck just like cut out the upper frequencies of the snare drum and the piano, and just like chopped them right off. You don't yeah, need what them. What happened? I mean, 
once again, just uh, they definitely fixed it in their later albums. Uh, I just, you're right. They really need to just give this one another go. I wonder if they had the same problem that Born Ruffians had on their second album in that they recorded to tape and then had too much tape hiss they had to get rid of and ended up just <laughs> losing their high frequencies because of it. I wouldn't be surprised. Keep the hiss in. Don't be a coward. Exactly. I mean, Which it does remind me of the one line from the uh, oh, from yeah. the review that's just like all it needs is that uh, that heart, hearty vinyl crackle and uh, good news Sub Pop is releasing it on vinyl. Yay! Imagine like there being doubt that you would be releasing your album on vinyl as if that's <laughs> that not be- where everyone's buying oh, yeah. their physical music now. Two thousand eight, yeah, I was I think I owned one record in two thousand eight, and I owned like like maybe two hundred CDs. Yeah, I didn't own any records until 2011. So I'm thinking yeah. how funny it would be if if they had if they had read the Pitchfork review and they had added in post the vinyl the vinyl noises and then released that on vinyl, <laughs> so it had double the vinyl noises. Hell yes! Like it uh, sucks. I live on the second floor and I can I cannot listen to my vinyls anymore because well I need to fix my my table I guess because yeah. if I walk around the record starts skipping. Oh, oh yeah, very sad. No, that's that's just me putting on like Jay Dilla's donuts, which there's like so much there's so much vinyl hiss and crackle on the samples, <laughs> and then you know it's being played off a record, so it just adds to it. Yeah, it adds yeah. to the ambiance of it. It's nice <laughs> when your record you can't keep the song in the same place. Next up, we have Tiger Mountain Peasant song. Which is definitely one of my favorites on the on the album. Can I own myself so hard right now for you? Absolutely. Can I just like really put myself on the chopping block and and let the let the guillotine blade keep my little heads from falling in the sl- snow? <laughs> so first of all, this song rules. Um, it's really good. It I fucks. lived. I I also I lived like five minutes away from Tiger Mountain, which I always think is fun. Oh, that's a local landmark. Even though they're not <laughs> from Issaquah, Modest Mouse is from Issaquah. Fleet Foxes is I think from Kirkland. Or at least Robin Pecknold is. But either way, here's my big own. Um, if you've ever listened to the hit beloved podcast, Welcome to Night Vale, um, that everyone likes and is very good, um, you'll- Mountains aren't real. Huh? Mountains aren't real. They just aren't. Oh, man. I, I You know, I forgot all the content of that stupid podcast. But <laughs> That's the only thing I remember is that mountains aren't real. Well, Tiger yeah. Peasant Song uh, is sampled in one of their reoccurring tracks. And okay. my horrible high school poisoned brain was like, wow, this is so good for Fleet Foxes that they're on Welcome to Night Vale. So many people are going to learn about them. <laughs> oh, boy. Because anyone ever kinda, looks up the samples that are used in a podcast music. Yeah, so that's my, my big cell phone from when I was like 16 years old. It we mostly all had, just makes we me, all had it big me, cell phones back then. They're smaller yeah. these days. It mostly just makes me think of the, uh, the Brian Eno album, Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy. Yeah. I love playing Civilization. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I cannot hear this song without just thinking of the first aid kit version. Yeah, the first aid kit so version, which good. came out the same the same year, like a couple months later on YouTube. I do not know you anymore. More. 
which yeah. created their career. Do you know they were? I think they were on a on a on a talk show. I think because I remember seeing them on a talk show and they mentioned them s- doing this song. I oh think. yeah, like I think I think it's something that like was like part of their initial push is like, hey, look at this, um, look at this song, uh, Fleet Foxes cover they did. Like their initial EP, uh, which was released on Rabid Records, which is Karen from the Knife's record label. Oh yeah, um, they put out a, a second version of it that had the cover as an extra track. Like that, 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 co- that's how hard they were using it to push their American uh, releases. Yeah. So like. This is, I, I call this a Robin song, because it's just Robin Pecknold and a guitar, yeah. and that's it. And there's, like, two other ones on this album, for the most part. This is, this like, is, the, if... This is the necessary is, one. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I know we talk about track list at the end, but this is the one that I keep, and then we can save the others for something else, basically, because this is the good one, or the at best the end, one, I guess. If you turn up the volume, you can hear Scott Spillane going, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the thing, the thing that gets me is, like, it's the it's like the one track that could use harmonies that he doesn't have, and that's what the first aid kit version did. They just yeah, yeah. Look, it's turned this, it into it's the a song duet. without harmonies, and we put some on for you. Yeah, Robin, Robin, you forgot the harmonies on this one. Um, we're just <laughs> gonna, he, we're, we're going to do just, a little fixie in a Swedish forest. They just left the like that reel of tape in the recording studio, and they forgot to you know take it with them. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we we had we we had drums on this song. What happened? <laughs> I've been juggling Toph for the last ten minutes. She keeps trying to step on my keyboard. That's the challenge, right? Yeah. It's you, you good might, to record you might in a, pick up in a, a space little bit of a... cat purr on the microphone here and there in this uh, episode. The only you thing better that not this noise po- remove that, you bastard. <laughs> the only thing that's missing from this podcast is the gentle hiss and pop of a cat's purr. <laughs> Luckily, they're putting it out on cat vinyl. <laughs> it's it's just Meow the Jewels too. Oh man! Oh god! I forgot about Meow the Jewels. But yeah, this song's Ooh. another song that's just straight up about murder. You do yep. love it. <laughs> I guess it really is. This like, is, it's that, that one, what's that? This is the sequel to that one Violet Femme song. <laughs> oh yeah, the, Country the Death about, Song. Country Death Song. The thing yeah. about, Mountain Murder Song. The <laughs> thing about uh, about Fleet Foxes is, this is something that is mentioned in the review too. The lyrics are kind of just a means to an end. Yeah. And I really do get that, like... Like you, I'm looking through the genius, and it's like here's a literary reference, here's a different literary reference, and it's like it's I don't have, care about those things, and I don't think Robin does either. No, they have <laughs> they have yes disease, which yes disease is a great disease to have, where you're just basically just trying to put nice sounding words together to make lyrics instead of like trying to write something meaningful or something that people can like think about, which is I'm, I'm a good place that, to be. I'm not saying like that it's that. all meaningless. Not meaningless, saying, but like it's more about the it's more about the way it sounds than the way the like what it what it has to say in my opinion. Right. Which, well, which yeah, is a good like, place to be. I'm saying even if he is writing it, he's writing it to be evocative in a certain way. Yeah, but he understands that the way he's singing it is probably more important than what he's saying. Yes, I mean you could you could really you can really see that on some of the uh, on some of the noisier tracks where like he pushes his vocals like way back in the mix. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, now now your voice, like, it's, there's words here, but your your voice is just a texture. But what are you saying? Doesn't matter. Docking that? <laughs> Excuse me? Oh, hey, that's the next song. That is the next song. The next song is Quiet Houses.
this song is called Quiet Houses, but the song itself is not quiet if you think about it. <laughs> just a I do like this one. It's analysis. very simple, but I like it. Yeah, it's good. And this is another one that the lyrics are like t- t- two lines. This yeah. is the one with I mean, Darky Nang. Yeah, this is the one with Darky Nang. Um, you could really, this, this is one where you could just say the lyrics clearly don't matter here. No, no, no. Just some, Absolutely just some not. sounds, sounds for voices to make. Like, like Tiger Mountain Peasant Song, it's telling a short story. That's, yeah. That's basically what's happening there. This one, th- it's all evocative. Especially because yeah. he refuses to pronounce words like a normal human fucking person. <laughs> what? Sometimes when you are, a, you know, a musician, a vocalist, you just, you just need to say words in ways that no one has ever considered saying them before. That's called the Anthony Kiedis effect. Um, <laughs> and it's it's a fact. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's what Robin Pecknold is like. Robin Pecknold just... is literally Anthony Kiedis. No! <laughs> I, I oh, think... that's really weird. Alderaan. Alderaan. I was wondering <laughs> what that lyric meant. <laughs> it's like... I, I feel like the the main reason why he pronounces darkening so weird is because he wanted to put emphasis on the second syllable, and putting emphasis on the sound ken isn't really good. It's just no. it's just not going to sound good. I just darkening. wonder if there was, I just wonder if there was a, another word they could have used. Yeah, probably. I always thought what I always thought the lyrics were before I had uh, I had the genius brain. I always thought it was a uh, don't give in, don't give in. That's what I always sounded like to me when I listened to it in in high school when I had yeah. when I had brain. I don't think brain, I listened to it enough times to really even think about what the words were. Uh, yeah, I, I think I guess I never those... considered that it was just him saying a word wrong. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I feel like I learned most of most of Fleet Foxes. I would basically just sing along phonemes. Yeah, like, yeah that's I, what I'm I not always. Actually that's learning any of the it. words. <laughs> That's I kind of wish that like oral tradition still existed so that in a, in like a hundred years every song that exists now it just has a completely different set of lyrics. It's yeah, like no one it's like how you hear the uh, the German version of uh, 99 Luftballons more th- more often than the uh, English version. So people just yeah. know to sing along with the German better than the English, even if yeah. they don't actually speak German. That's, I wish they had done that with with some Kraftwerk songs because there's some really good. There's some Kraftwerk songs that are just so much more fun when they're in German, in my oh, opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Ich bin der Musikant with Tassenrechner in der Hand. Oh. Beep boop bong. Yes. Oh, has, <laughs> I, I was gonna say did did Pitchfork ever do a review of Kraftwerk and then I realized why that makes no sense. I mean, I think they, they, did did reissue, do, uh, they did reissue. They did reissue. They did reissue. Yeah. Yeah, they may so. have done Tour de France. That may have come out uh, mo- more uh, recent enough. Well, yeah, that came out in 2005, so... Yeah. That's so weird that they put out an album in 2000. They put out an album the same year that Half-Life 2 came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like Craftwork's like uh, like, re- collection got reviewed twice because they've had two different remasters at this point. Yeah, they There's keep like doing the-, the same songs, but better. Yeah, because they uh. did the Kling Clang ones, then they did the 3D audio ones. Craftwork yeah. is so fucking good. I love Craftwork. Good band. They're yeah. a great band. Like, I feel like we're mostly just sticking to um, initial review best new musics and low scores. So they're, they they don't really fall under the catalog that this uh, this out uh, this thing would this podcast hey, would cover. The, where there's a whale, there's a way. You can you're the you're the you're the you're the <laughs> boss. You can do whatever you want. Wrong. Yeah, we kind of do boss. change our rules all the time, so it's fine. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's not much so, else to say about quiet houses. It's just, it's fun. Well, there is, there is a, allegedly, there's a myth, a whisper that there is piano in this song. Um, <laughs> so, so saith the, the texts. Oh no, yeah, no, um, I definitely, this is the, that's the other song where I, like, because that, that song has such a loud mix in general. The, the, there is a part where everything, it's like just the guitar and the piano, and that's the only time that you can hear the piano <laughs> easily in this entire album, basically. They just had a grudge against their own piano player. It's, I mean, the, one of the last podcasts I recorded was me and Max did Final Fantasy Fifteen for Slappers Only, and that song, that album is so piano forward in yeah. a really good way. Um, and hearing the great instrument of the piano be, be so, be so, uh, I mean, here's the thing. Sometimes the piano deserves to get taken down a peg. Um, <laughs> and I feel like this album is a, is a humiliating the piano on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, and yet Casey Westcott, who is their keyboard player, has been with the band since 2006. They figured out, they, they, they was a trial run, this album, and they said, we'll let you play... We'll let you like really get some good songs in on the the next two albums. Yeah, we get, but in we the get meantime, more organ Phil is than fucking we get this piano. Yeah, you no, stay he, in your box. You stay is, in your box. He plays all their keyboards, so yeah. Well, then we get to he doesn't know why. song is the best this i think this is the best song in the album in my opinion it's my favorite one yeah i was uh i I was noticing that this one goes a lot harder than i remember it does it really does it's kind of a a surprise there is piano in this one and i feel like i could hear it oh yeah yeah yeah, for sure it's kind of just uh it's one of those pianos that's really just kind of uh walking up and down with the vocal yeah which is like it's a perfectly serviceable use of a piano uh, I really like the the latter half of the song. Oh yeah, the part where he goes, "There's nothing I oh, p- can do." People fucking belt that one when you see them in concert, and you can just hear it's... everyone's voices straining. I know when <laughs> they play it live. It's not live, a particularly hard note. No, it's not. But people just want to <laughs> go for it. it, and they play when they played the song live. I fucking lost my mind. So <laughs> it's it's just one that gets people really excited. I think, and I don't really. I mean. It's just a really good song. I don't really know why. Like, I don't know why I like it so much. So what he you're saying? Know why. <laughs> I don't know why exactly. He doesn't know why. But yeah, like this is—it's very folksy and you know, just oh, a song about a long lost brother and vagrant. That's such yeah. a—that's that, such an American folk tune thing. Like, you might as well have just mentioned like taking a ride down the railroad cars yeah, overpass, overpass on a, the Mississippi. This one's trying to be a Decemberist song. Just God, a, this could just be a the, the lyrics could be Decemberist lyrics, couldn't they? Yeah, I, I, I will I'm say literally one, imagining it in Colin Malloy's voice, but I can't do a serviceable Colin Malloy impression, unfortunately. One of my one of my favorite tricks, my favorite treats of this song is is how it ends. It has that cool like like diegetic audio of like I don't exactly it's know recording? what's happening. <laughs> yeah, just like the like, and there's a person playing piano. And it's this really cool piano line until you realize that literally all they're doing is just playing the black keys. <laughs> yeah. So you too can play the end of He Doesn't Know Why. I promise you, I can do it and I can't play piano. 
Is this is this the ultimate humiliation? Is that they said the only time that you can really front and center hear the piano is the pianist, or the keyboard player just playing the black keys. He might as like, well like just a, he might as well just like be playing chopsticks. Yeah, <laughs> playing. <laughs> how much would it hurt this album if that's how this song ended? I don't think it would. I think that'd be fine. Do you think it would? Do you think like it would that, make that it piano? Work? That piano is clearly just like that. It, it literally sounds like it's being recorded on like just like a regular studio mic, like yeah. not like a placed vocal mic or anything. Like that's literally just the one that they're using for the monitors. And it, it literally just sounds like someone just decided to fuck around on the piano after the song was done. Yeah, I think at the end you could hear the like lid being closed or something. Right, and then you could, of course, you could hear the "It's recording, we're going." Yep, that's what they're <laughs> saying. Yeah. Which, yeah, very, very uh, Robert Schneider saying holy shit at the end of uh, <laughs> O'Cumley vibes on that one. Yeah. <laughs> holy shit. I do like oh, when uh, when bands just kind of splice a little bit of studio banter into the album here and there. I mean, studio yeah, banter it's, is great. It, it's functionally just like uh, like like podcast uh, cold opens. <laughs> That's it's, why I, I thought it was really funny. In yeah. uh, at the end of uh, heard them stirring, where they just talk about like Jeff Bezos getting circumcised or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they talk about that? That's that's what that's going to be on their next album. They're going to have a whole song about it. When when we decide to uh, get on Amazon, we'll, we'll put that in. That'll be the cold open of the entire podcast. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, and we talked about this on Jurgenit, is you don't know that Jeff Bezos doesn't want us talking about circumcising him, so. We you talked about not. exactly that on on. on we will make it. we'll make a it's new my, podcast. It's my go to the- for disparaging Amazon. It's talking about snipping Jeff Bezos's foreskin off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll just make a new podcast called the Jeff the Jeff Bezos Circumcision Show, and it'll be the only <laughs> noise space podcast that we put on Amazon. <laughs> that just sounds like this, a fun art project. It really like. I guess the question is how much could you, how much audio could you record around that premise with different I mean, how guests? Much, and how different... much foreskin can you take from Jeff Bezos? <laughs> it's like a fucking, uh, it's like a, a bubble tape roll, <laughs> just keeps going and going and going. We'll we'll have what? to like get Connor O'Malley in as a consultant on this one, I think, because oh, I think absolutely. he could really get that uh, get that project put together. I feel like he's he's necessary. He would need to be there for every episode. Uh, thank you for your consulting work. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, we're coming for your foreskin, Jeff. Uh, heard him stirring. This yeah. one has the best lyrics on the album. That's my joke. <laughs> That's my one joke I'm making this week. Yeah, this is this is whoa whoa the song. Whoa whoa, so cow pop. The literally song. me looking at the track list was wait which was which one's this again? I'm like oh oh right. I like this one. It's I not need to... bad. It's just like a, if you're if you're gonna be an instrumental, I feel like you need to be more memorable. <laughs> yeah. What is they have an an a incredible instrumental on help? It's a, what is it? Cascadius or Cascadia or. Something like that. It's, oh, I'm going to look it up. Because that one is a much better version of an instrumental song. Because, like, I'm just thinking about, like, 
Cascades? I'm, I'm thinking about the instrumental. Oh, it's literally on. just called the Cascades. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> just like to to continue on a neutral milk hotel bend because my brain's there now. Um, like untitled on in the airplane over the sea brings in a fucking bagpipe. Of course, I'm going to oh, remember that one. That one is incredible, and yeah, and, and it also it doesn't slaps. talk about and it doesn't talk about Anne Frank in it. So exactly, that's a big that's a big bonus. A by big bonus not, of that one <laughs> by not having any lyrics. Um, I, I should just go into the genius page for this one and replace where it says non lyrical vocals with just o oh, woe like o w o. What if you actually transcribe all the o's? <laughs> I've seen it before on lyrics websites with this song. I think yeah, we I just think, need to get those in there. Yeah, I think genius. They don't. They don't think that's genius when you. And then when you and do then that. we'll put one annotation on it, and we'll say it's Robin Pecknell telling us all his blood type. It's it's Robin Pecknell telling us uh, that he's noticed your bulge. All right, fuck this. We're moving on to the next song. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh oh! Whoa, what's this? I heard it stirring. Um... <laughs> Fuck you. Next is your protector. This one is where they discovered what a flute is. Oh yeah, I, I do hear a little bit of flute in this one. Is or what is that? Is that a, what instrument is that at the beginning? It's a flute, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's flute. It's some kind of woodwind, and there's multi. And it's harmonized too. Both the review and the genius page mention a flute, so I assume it is a. It's flute. It's the only one with a flute. Yeah, that that intro with just the vocals and flute is very very good. It is extremely good. Genius claims um, that a flute half submerged in the mix adds lurking menace to Fleet Fox's most intense jam, Your Protector. To say that it's half submerged in the mix when it's literally what starts the song is, <laughs> yeah. is really funny to me. That's also, what's that there. Is, that is a direct quote from the review on the Genius page. Amazing. It's right from the Pitchfork review. <laughs> that, yep. that very inaudible guitar riff that plays at the beginning of Pink Floyd's Money really adds to the song, <laughs> if you think about it. And do I hear a cash register? You know, it really makes you think about what the song might be about. It makes you think a lot. This one, this one's very good. It also does have organ in it, but you know, you couldn't tell if you weren't wearing headphones. I guess the this the, one chorus, goes. the chorus, the chorus does really lot. go. It it takes off like immediately. The you run with the devil. Yeah, <laughs> if you think about it, that, that one has to also be another big live show one. I think it is. Oh yeah, it's fun to sing. It is fun to sing. It's not even my favorite album or song. Like, it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's in my top three, but I think it's one of the songs that's just fun to hear people, fun to hear live, I guess. Yeah, they I might never, even bring I out never got to see Fleet Foxes live. I, I went to go see a whole bunch of other, you know, indie folk bands, but never got around to seeing Fleet Foxes. Yeah, they have for, a, unfortunately, they have, the year I saw them at Pitchfork was the year you went to Jiznepland. Yeah, <laughs> 2011. They have a... They have a, a guy on Fleet Foxes who joined in 2010 who was, uh, I think he was in some post-hardcore band called, like, I think it's called Blood Brothers. Um, yeah, we were talking about this up. earlier. Yeah, he plays so many instruments. He plays, like, upright bass, he plays guitar, he plays saxophone, he plays banjo, he plays, like, so many things. I think he might play violin, too. 
Um, and he just is very fun to watch. Uh, if you know the, the like crazy horn nonsense that happens at the end of the shrine and argument, that's the guy who plays it. I don't know if he plays it on that album though. What I'm trying to say is that he probably plays the flute when they play the song live. Yeah. Yeah, A band will generally have like a dedicated, uh, like woodwind or brass person. They had, uh, when I saw them live, they had a, uh, kind of like TMBG. They brought in horn players from outside for a couple songs. And it was extremely good. Oh yeah, those guys are literally called the other thing brass band. <laughs> like they're <laughs> yeah, they're like a they're like a known group of people that are like considered they might be giants collaborators at this point. And then they have like the one guy that they <clears throat> always have when they just want the one horn player around. Yeah, yeah. Kurt but, Ram. Um, the court. Yeah, Kurt Ram. Uh, the chorus on this song is the most you hear the drums on the whole album. Oh yeah, they're That's they're right there. They are fucking going. <laughs> <laughs> they have a good drummer. Like, he's a good drummer. He plays it. He's yeah, good like, at what he does. They actually just, allow it into the mix here. Yeah. And that's why that, I mean, that's why I imagine why they, they talk about how hard this song goes, is that it is the song in which the drums are the most audible in general. Um, Like, it's it's really Tom heavy, a really bass drum heavy. And it's really, like, yeah. it's almost like uh, they're, they're kind of going for like like a war chant vibe with it. That's what I'm yeah. saying with this, that the indie rock drum disease, where it's, it's just like. It's Civil War it's, core. It's you really it really want, is it's Civil like, War core, and then yeah, like and of course like Phil Eck producing the Dodos the very next year. It's super Tom that, heavy. That is bass a that heavy. is a fucking drum band. Yeah. yeah, it's not about like playing just a straight beat. Um, you're just trying to like do something weird, get get a little nutty with it, if you will. Yeah, but like I can I can see this I can see this video having like. I, I think this song was a single, but I don't know what the video was like if it had one. But I can imagine them just having like a fucking like samurai aesthetic for it, just for the just for the sake of it. <laughs> yeah, because that's kind of like that. That does seem like where the flute is going and where the drums are going. I guess so. Yeah, like like a samurai movie or a wuxia film. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like a vague Asian aesthetic. Yeah, it's, the song Which, was like, in was in. You pay thirty dollars, and this is the beginning of Disney's Mulan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they didn't ask any. They didn't ask the Chinese people to actually, you know, contribute anything. But they asked Fleet Foxes, no. and they they, they were Fleet like, Foxes "Yeah, sure. soundtrack." It's like a when Phil Collins did Tarzan, they just had Fleet <laughs> Foxes or Daft Punk did uh, Tron. Yeah. They just reached out to Fleet Foxes to do Mulan for some reason. And also, <laughs> even more confusingly, they agreed. <laughs> Unfortunate. I can't believe Robin Pecknold is now cancelled. I can't believe that we've cancelled Robin Pecknold by making something up about him. <laughs> yeah. And we still have three songs left. No! <laughs> um, Robin Pecknold associated with known problematic person Father John Misty. Yeah, he was in a band with him for four years, and then after he left, he had nothing nice to say about him, but let's, I think we should just cancel him to be safe. Yeah, just to get ahead of it. Isn't it yeah. funny how Robin is a bird, and Peck is a thing birds do, and then the next song is also about birds? That is almost too correct, and I think that it's on purpose. <laughs> That's perfect, actually. What if every song on this album was subtly bird-themed? Yeah. But yeah, next song is Meadowlarks. Don't believe a word that I haven't heard. Little children laughing at the boys and girls. The metal lark singing to you each and every day. 
This one's fine. It's fine. It's 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 one of the unnecessary Robin songs that I think they could have done something else with. Yeah, and it's very like I'm. I'm. This is the one where like you're you're looking through the the lyrics. I'm like, oh, this is a literary reference. This one's also a literary reference. And I'm like, okay, what's it a reference to? I don't fucking know. He says cornucopia in it, which is a, a, a which is a word that I'm like simultaneously surprised doesn't show up in a lot more music, but also I'm kind of glad that they mostly confine the concept of cornucopias to this one song. I mean, if Just you told me that the album cover for the Fleet Foxes self-titled was a cornucopia, you could convincingly Mandela affect me just by the color palette. <laughs> wait, wait, Just wait. by, like, the color palette of the cover. What are you talking you about? You could convince me that no, there's no, one it is, there. It is, what are you talking about? Yeah, it is the cornucopia. Yeah. Yeah. Grizzly Bear's Horn of Plenty is the same album as Fleet Foxes' Fleet Foxes. <laughs> yeah, they're the same. They're the same. Uh... The chorus is My Hummingbird Sing to Me, and it's followed by a bridge that's just humming, so humming. I think that was pretty clever. Do you think this means anything? I like it. Yeah. I love hummed harmonies also. A very cool sound. Yeah. Um, humming, is hard, was... humming is hard to make sound good on a microphone. Yeah. That's it's, true. It's, the the yeah. trick is, I learned this from, from choir, uh, is you open your mouth while you hum. Yeah, exactly. And then it resonates better. It doesn't all come out your nose. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's not a whole lot about not this much song to say in about general, but arcs. the genius uh, annotation, I think, also pulls directly from the Pitchfork review, um, where uh, it says Robin Pecknold's lyrics at times sound like merely a delivery system for harmonies. <laughs> he said, I can't harmonize if I'm not singing anything. Fact. Yeah, that's how it works. It is true. You, it, It's one of those songs that the lyrics are just evocative and there's not really a story here. Yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm saying though. I like that because I've got I've got withered brain disease and I don't enjoy having to think when I li- about about text ever. That's why I'm not an English major. <laughs> if I wanted to analyze a, a bunch of words on a page, I would I would be a nerd and read Shakespeare <laughs> like a chump. Jordan hates Billy Joel. I don't want to hear about I, any scenes from an Billy Italian Joel. restaurant. <laughs> what is Billy Joel even think he's doing here? All I, want, here, all I want is food from an Italian restaurant. Am I right? I'm hungry right now. Where's my spaghetti, Billy? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm too busy at my show at Madison Square Garden. That's canceled this year. This is the this is that 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 Justin McElroy joke where he thought that Jimmy Buffett was going to be cooking the food at Margaritaville <laughs> for him. <laughs> you know, Jimmy probably would at this point if Justin asked Jimmy- nicely enough. Jimmy would probably do anything for them, which is really confusing because he's Jimmy Buffett. Right. <laughs> he's he so much he more famous. To, he doesn't need to be beholden to these these podcast nerds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, can I get your Paradise Cheeseburger, please? <laughs> I think you need to find uh, a popular musician for for your podcast to befriend. I think so. Uh, like there, ne- there's definitely probably some musician that Pitchfork reviewed who is like addicted to the onlines as much like we might even be able if we ask nicely enough to like get Will Wiesenfeld on the show if you find one that Pitchfork was really mean to and then said really (laughs) nice things about their album instead you could probably become friends with with one of them yeah let's do a bath try to become friends with one of the try to become friends with someone from OK Go that (laughs) would probably work (laughs) I, I could I could probably get Andrew WK on the show yeah, that's, yeah. I, I I interviewed him once by just like unsolicited asking in his DMs. So <laughs> sometimes it's that easy. 
Yeah. Some, sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes, sometimes they're just you, bored and they want something to do. Yeah. Sometimes you mistakenly think a person has better things to do than be on a podcast and then you're wrong. Nobody has anything better to do. It's quarantine, it's baby. It's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then we get to our last slapper on the album. Oh, yeah. Hey, I have to get my lawyers involved with this, with this Matt. Uh-huh. <laughs> my existent <laughs> lawyers for, for stealing my, my IP. It is a slapper, though. Yeah, no, it, I it will kinda, agree. It kind of goes. It goes. Blue Ridge Mountains. This is another thing that where it's they describe the album as very placeless, where they're talking about the Blue Ridge Mountains in Tennessee. Is that the where only, the Blue Ridge the Mountains are? The only reason I know where be, the Blue Ridge Mountains are. It would be so funny if that's not where they were. <laughs> that, like, on purpose. There's, uh... No, it, it looks like they... No, it says right here, Blue Ridge Mountains, Georgia, but I think that Georgia and Tennessee are probably the same. <laughs> yeah, they're the oh, same yeah, state. Oh, yeah, it says they, they go into... They go into Tennessee. It's it the does, biggest mountain range in the country. It does specifically say over near Tennessee and not over in That's Tennessee. That's true. It's impossible to say. As a, as, a, as a band from the West Coast, no one knows what's going on in that part of the country. America's I, I, very large. It's it's definitely a choice akin to South Detroit in Don't Stop Believing, um, yeah. which is not an actual like geographical location that describes anything other than Windsor, Ontario. Um <laughs> <laughs> But it sounds better in the song, and that's why he sings it. There's a uh, yeah. there's a CCR song where they say it was down in Louisiana, just about a mile from Texarkana, which is physically impossible because Texarkana is like a hundred miles away from Louisiana. It's just that it's that good old nonsense. It's the four love. states that border Springfield. Yeah. Oh yeah. The um, only ones I remember are Maine and Kentucky. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed that we we remember the same ones then. <laughs> was that from the simpsons movie that is from the was... simpsons movie oh yeah it was yeah i saw that movie with my my like 85 year old great grandma and she did not enjoy it it was a family outing what did we you think went. about bart's penis she <laughs> she did say she hated the movie but she did like that it was very subversive that they showed the 10 year old's pepsi <laughs> they showed his, they pepsi show his bepis his bengus um, there was a part where it was hidden behind a fry, which was, it's, how did you even yeah. do that? Um, this is the other song besides Mykonos that was played on Saturday Night Live and, uh, had the shirtless, uh, dancing by Yorma Tacone. Hmm. So yeah, this song's just like to his brother. It's pretty straightforward yeah. lyrically. Does he have they a brother? They do like talking about brothers on this album. They, it's, it's something that's, that's a, a great theme is brothers. I know this because I have a, I have some brothers. I, much like you, have two brothers. <laughs> I'm just a simple southern person with a brother. <laughs> or two. Or two. I'm s- just a simple southern boy who comes from the Blue Ridge Mountains over near Tennessee. I think this song would be much more effective if they had re- he had replaced brother with Kyodai, because it means so much more than just a brother, if you think about it. Yeah. I would have um, to think about that. This song, this song is being sung by Edward Elric. <laughs> <laughs> the um, 
the the mention of the connecting flight kind of threw me off the first time I was listening to this album because like the aesthetics aesthetic trappings of the album are so not modern at any point yeah. prior to that. Yeah, I think it it's like weird the, when they it's like the single piece of like modern tech mentioned in the whole thing. Yeah, and the only thing that like places it somewhere in the last century, as opposed to like the 1600s in the woods. Did they have a song about uh, uh like Facebook on the next album? You think? Well, I, I, uh, there is that, that song that is about, um, buying all your favorite products off Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) My, my, my new novelty Twitter account, what if Fleet Fox's self-titled come out today? Holy shit. I just realized something, (laughs) which is, uh, on Helpless is Blues, they have a, uh, there's a lyric about, uh, petting a, a dog, like, uh, ruffled the fur of the collie neath the table. So you can pet the dog in Helplessness Blues. Fuck Yes. (laughs) We got uh, it. If you really think about it, the real helpness, helplessness we have is from our blue websites, Twitter and Facebook. Mm, I would say <laughs> that the helplessness blues is in reference to the Democratic Party is what Ay- I would my my Ay- sort of take on it. Just a, just a couple skewed views here today on Tuning Fork. Just getting a little bit political. I'm very sorry, everybody. Yeah, sorry to get political on the music podcast. As we know, there is no politics in music whatsoever. No, 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 no. No. Especially not in the Facebook uh, comments on uh, Rage Against the Machines page. I've been I've been told that Born in the USA is just about where you were, uh, you know, where what the place that you were from. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Springsteen famously song. apolitical. The apolitical Bruce Springsteen American skin is about uh, is about makeup. <laughs> is something that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Uh, it says, uh, I guess his brother's name is Sean, because the interlude says, but Sean, don't get, don't careless. get careless. But Sean, Sean don't get careless. I really the, like the the way he sings those lines. And the, that's yeah. really they drop great, out all the instruments yeah. for it before coming really back in for the chorus. It's like, it's it's a really, um, it, it, it's a good use of the, the instrument dropout, which is always like yeah. a, a trope uh, they, that I'm, I'm I'm very fond of in tunes. I'm very weak weak for it. Yeah, when, yeah. When especially for Fleet Foxes where they're so harmony based yeah. and they just drop the instruments out and it's all the harmonies. It's yeah, such a, a it's real, such a, it's a real so easy. For that. Yeah, it's it's such an easy thing to do, but it just works so well. And I'm always <laughs> just like, oh, they did it again. There was a good couple of years there where we had uh, indie musicians writing songs for their brothers, uh, like uh, the year after this, Brother Sports. Yeah, listen to episode a, six of Tuning Fork. It's a time-honored yeah. tradition to write a song for your brother. Yeah. Matt. Yeah, his brother had my name. Yep. I'll write a song about the time my brother deleted my Pokemon Stadium 2 save file. Hey, that's me. My brother, that's weird. Sam wrote a, a hate song about, uh, about, and my older brother wrote a hate song about the time I deleted his Metroid Prime save files <laughs> twice. What is it with brothers and deleting our save files? Why could they? Why could we? Younger brothers, it's in the the code, like it's in the it's in the younger brother handbook that you have to corrupt it's every like, memory how card. How did you even delete that? You just touched the controller. <laughs> maybe maybe the song Blue Ridge Mountain is about deleting like an Animal Crossing town or something. Yeah, that's why his brother his brother has he hasn't seen his brother in a while because he deleted his brother's Animal Crossing town. He hasn't seen his brother in a while because his brother saved while he was in his town, so now he has the gyroid face and he doesn't recognize him anymore. <laughs> it's about uh, deleting your brother's save file in SSX Tricky, where he had just gotten to the Blue Ridge Mountain track, which is like a double no. black diamond. Oh. And then he says, terrible am I, child. 
<laughs> Terrible is my child brother deleting, deleting all my, my good save, save files. files. I had just lo- unlocked Mr. Game and Watch and Mewtwo. <laughs> I had just oh. hit down B for 15 minutes straight to unlock the Donkey Kong level. God damn it. <laughs> it was so ir- I Matt, I did, I did, I lost all the Smash progress when I was a boy. <laughs> I did this, I did it. I'm the worst person in the world for it. Bringing bat- back uh, a lot of childhood memories here today. It's when you talk about songs with brothers, you just think about the time you lost. <laughs> they had just unlocked Mr. Game and Watch, and you del- you corrupted the memory card again. Yeah, <laughs> love that again. I'll load bearing again on that one. <laughs> Probably did it. I would guess maybe four times in my life. <laughs> GameCube memory cards and like PS2 memory cards were notoriously bad. Yeah, they're they were not good. easy to. It was not a hard thing to to corrupt a memory card. Yeah. And also the Xbox hard drive, the original Xbox hard drive was just oh, the worst. Ass. Oh my god. It took a while uh, for them to make a console that didn't suck ass. I would say it took uh, until November of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't gonna even get order it, it now. They're going to get it this time, I promise. <laughs> I, I'm excited I, I, to I don't appreciate Demons. you suggesting that the GameCube is not good. The GameCube is the only good console. It's the only one. It's, it's the only it's, one with a fucking handle on it. It's got a handle on it. It's perfectly designed to be put in a on a shelf. It uh, it's not unlike the Wii. It doesn't fall over when you breathe on it or look at yeah. it. <laughs> and it's very well used for melee combat, and yes. also playing Super Smash Bros. Melee on it. And it's got the it's got the analog triggers, which yeah, is those great. Things, those things are good. The handle makes console. it a perfect clutch purse for Paris Hilton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about Oliver James? Oliver James washed in the rain. No Lost in the rain? That's Robin's other brother. <laughs> oh, it, it's washed in the rain, not lost in the rain. Yeah, it's one of those ones that you always, you always, you, you learn it the wrong way and then you never remember the right lyric. <laughs> yeah. I just, this is, look, it's a good song. I just don't know if it's the right one to end the album with. I'm not even sure the album really needed this song at all. Yeah, I don't think, I honestly, this is like one of my least favorite songs by them. It does have a and nice, like, like, ending point to the album with just the voice trailing off into Reverb Town. It's him it's, singing into a cave mouth, I'm convinced. You know the, like, you know the scene in The Lord of the Rings where uh, either Merry or Pippin, who could possibly say, Stephanie, don't get mad at me, um, <laughs> drops a big a big helmet into the, like, it was long Pippin. tube. Pippin drops a big helmet into a big tube that yeah. just yeah. makes an echo for and 100 it clatters the whole way down, yeah. Fool and of a it hits, He's a fool and of then, a tuck. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's how you remember it. And then it, when it hits the bottom, it just bonks Robin Pecknold on the head, because that's where he was singing the song from. <laughs> he was deep in the minds of Moria. He was, he was in the big room with all the columns. Yeah, that, that is where Oliver James was recorded. They dug too deep. They found an indie rock musician down there. <laughs> Blow the horn, Gimli. <laughs> do 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 yeah. do 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 this, do, this was do, the song do. where they were they were throwing down the gauntlet for the reverb war <laughs> god truly yes. we will get to that album eventually yeah bony bear bony bear um this song is yeah it's pretty much it's just fine. uh 
just guitar and vocals, nothing else. I just don't know why you would put this album on the same album with, like, Tiger Mountain Peasant Song, or even Metalarks. Like, why is it here? It's the, just another album, one of those. Like, I, it, it, the album would be in a slightly different order track-wise if it was like this, but we were saying in the chat earlier, and I still think it's true, he doesn't know why it would be the perfect closer. Oh, it's yeah. the best way to end this album. This song would have been, like, like if it was released today, uh, if if Fleet Fox's self-titled released today and Robin get iPad, um, Oliver James would probably have been like a one-off Spotify single. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, like, a, like a bonus, it doesn't a bonus really edition even thing. go on like an EP or anything. It just kind of feels like, like they wrote a song and they need to do something with it, but they don't, they're not going to like waste a track on this one because it's, it's like, it's fine, but it's yeah. just not, it's not, it doesn't stand oh, yeah, out. People really weren't putting out non-album singles at this point. Yeah. Like, the, this this period of time was, like, very big for, like, you know, putting out albums because it's where you made your money, whereas now, like, people are more likely to put out a non-album single just because you'll get you those Spotify streams you so desperately need in, uh, in the in-between <laughs> album times. If you put um, out a single, a, it was just a free MP3 that got posted to every blog spot blog. Exactly, exactly. You just, I mean, you just release the MP3 into the wild. This song isn't good enough to do that with, though. No, yeah. this is not to like continue to talk about how they might be giants is like the only good band that's ever existed. This is just a song yeah. that you put on a on a uh, an answering machine, you know. Yeah, this this song would probably sound pretty cool coming over a phone. Yeah, Man. I think it probably would because it's very spar- it's very sparse, and I think that would work in like an extremely yeah. low bit environment like a phone. <laughs> which 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 Fleet Foxes songs should they put on their dial a song that they make? <laughs> Why don't more bands do dial a song? Why are more bands so like good. they might be giants? I genuinely, every once in a while, I just love to actually call up the Dyla song because it just makes me happy knowing that it's it's, that good. it's there. It's and so good. I'm I'm so glad that like all the old Dyla songs, there's enough nerds that were listening to the MIB Giants that had like tube suction microphones that they could connect <laughs> to their phones. That there's like perfectly preserved recordings of the old Dyla song songs that they might be giants themselves don't even have anymore. Yeah, yeah. you love it. You love it. They so Might Giants is a good band, guys. You should listen to them, even though we will literally band. never cover them on this podcast because they nope, have it's... there's they've never been covered positively or negatively. Have they really not been? No, they 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 just have a lot of middling reviews. Actually, you know what? I think Mink Car got a bad enough review that we could cover Mink Car. They're cowards, honestly. Yeah, Mink Car got a two point eight. We could cover Mink Car on this <laughs> podcast. If you do Mink Car, you just have to do a crossover with Giants Confirmed. Yeah, exactly. If, I we, if, to we, if I ever record another episode of Giants Confirmed, we'll see. We'll Get see. Trevor back on for the third time. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's Fleet Foxes by Fleet Foxes from 2008. Um, I think it's it's a pretty good album. Um, definitely worth uh, all the success that it got them. Um, not quite a, a 9 out of 10 for me. It's, it's No, I don't it's, think so. It's pretty good, but... I, I think, it, and also, like, its legacy is, like, it's, like, kind of, like, how so many bad garage rock bands happened after The Strokes' first album. Yeah. Um, so much bad came out of their existence. <laughs> it sucks to say, but you're right. It, it's not their it's fault, like, but it happened. It's, it's Fleet like, Fox's because fault I only... that, you know, the, the, the song Little Talks by Of Monsters and Men that you like to hear for maybe you two or three Little times Fox. gets played once a day on every single radio station. Yeah, it, it, that is e- that is equally uh, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero's fault, mind you. Yeah, it's Alabama, Arkansas, talking motherfuckers. Do we, do we blame Fleet Foxes for Mumford and Sons? 
Yes or no? I think so. I, I think they're very that different sounds. Fleet foxes because, and but like I think fleet foxes and bony bear share equal uh, responsibility for Mumford and Sons. Uh, I uh, I own a Mumford and Sons album. I bought it when I was a, when I was. I basically was like, I'm going to get into more music, and then I bought, like, all of the worst albums that I've ever heard back-to-back. <laughs> you just went to Starbucks and bought all the Starbucks albums. Yeah, I was. I, that's that's also where I bought My Head as an Animal by uh, by uh, Monsters and Men. I think oh, that's what the album is called. Is that what that one's called? I think it is. I I, either There's, way, Fleet, Fleet Foxes invented Starbucks core. True. <sighs> They're my favorite, one of my favorite bands, but I think you're right. It's not their fault, but they <laughs> just, Seattle's they just, fault. it's really Seattle's fault. And the thing and like Fleet Foxes is an album and I only realized this listening through it like today. It's a great album uh, and I love it a lot, but their other albums are better. Um, yeah, I, I need think to listen that- to the other ones more than I have in the past. Yeah, yeah. Cause like they were, they were still like well lauded albums and popular albums, but I, I like. I mean, like, Helplessness Blues like hit like number four on like the Hot 200 or something. Like they they like had Billboard success with that one. But I'd yeah. say like a- as far as like the pop the popular music zeitgeist, which is you know basically what this podcast is about, had largely like moved in a different direction by then. Yeah, because like it was more like, like the novelty of uh, oh hey Fleet Foxes they finally put out a new album awesome right. and then Crack Up was like oh my god it's been a hundred years and they're doing a new <laughs> song again. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like I I listened to Helplessness Blues plenty and liked it. It was just like I was looking elsewhere at that point. I was listening to different I kinds think, of things. I think, and I'm not I'm not the taste master, but I'm <laughs> telling you, go go back and listen to those two other albums and and just like sit down and listen to them. And if you don't like them, well, you know what do I know? I'm I'm just I don't even listen to a ton of music, uh, but I like them a lot. And I think they're great albums. And uh, also, Robin Pecknold learned how to sing low, and that's really funny to me. <laughs> Good for him. I think Good for, for him. me, the reason I didn't listen to Helplessness Blues quite as much is because that was about the time when I was getting more into things like uh, like Plunderphonics and other things like that. Like uh, Replica by One of Tricks Point Never came out in 2011 as well. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is that new shit. Do you know what you like listen when, you know... The, the music you listen to in high school when you're, like, in your formative years and it's, like, a music that you listen to while doing something and you yeah. always associate it with that. Do you want to know what Helplessness Blues is for me? And I, I recognize it as a great album, but I will eternally associate um, Helplessness Blues with playing Minecraft because that is <laughs> where I listen to it probably two to three dozen times as I was, like, digging out an entire mountain in Minecraft. Yeah. So... It is a Minecraft album to me, but it's a damn good Minecraft album. Yeah. Yeah. It came yeah. out around the, the same time have- that Minecraft did. It yeah. was, no, no, no. It was specifically uh, Minecraft Xbox was, I think, wow. when it came out around. Something did like you, that. Did you, like, have the disc ripped to your Xbox and it was, like, playing out of the Xbox? Oh, you know it was playing oh, directly yes. out of the <laughs> Xbox. So, me, that album, the album that I have that association with is the User's Guide to They Might Be Giants. Oh um, yeah, which is like a very good compilation. But one point, I was playing Gears of War online, and I did not realize until about thirty minutes later that I had just been playing the song "Minimum Wage" on loop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, da, 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 da. the music sounds kind of weird right now. 
and I forgot that I'd started I'd started playing User's that's Guide. That's really funny. And I think that's the first track on User's Guide. Or I just had them sorted so, weird. And the, uh, um oh. and I just didn't I just super didn't notice because I had the music like mixed pretty low because the sound effects and gears are cool. Cause you can chainsaw people. So of course you want the music you want yeah. the sound effects loud for that. And yeah, as I much listened as to I, I listened to Minimum the, uh, Wage for a solid thirty minutes straight. As much as I love the the soundtrack of uh the new Tony Hawk's Pro Skater uh remake um, I do like the fact that if you opt to play your own music, uh, it auto mutes the uh, game soundtrack. It's very good. Yeah. The other thing, uh, the other weird music association is um, I played Half Life Two when I was like I don't know ten years old, nine years old, um, probably too young to be playing Half Life Two. But the level, the Ravenholm level, obviously scared me really bad. Yeah. So I would put music on to make it less scary, but this, <laughs> but I was just like what my brothers had on iTunes. And the one that they had that I put on for Ravenholm was probably the worst album, which was Sung Tongs. <laughs> the weirdest, <laughs> oh, most boy. atmospheric and ambient album that Animal Collective had done at the time, I think. Yeah. And that definitely made Ravenholm a lot scarier. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, Jordan, is you don't have to go to college. No, yeah. I don't. I love that. That is a fucking good album. I love that album. I have it on vinyl. And and now uh, songs from that have been used in Crayola ads. <laughs> Wait, what? What? <laughs> yeah, Sweet Wait. Sweet Road got used in a uh, in a Crayola commercial like six That's... or seven years ago. That's sad. <laughs> Don't like that. Oh, it's a good song, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess uh, now that we're just rambling about things that aren't Fleet Foxes, we're probably ready to call this an episode. Yeah, ready to call an episode. I mean, we, we basically set our thesis on like the, the full track list in that you could cut it down to one Robin solo song. It would be pretty much perfect. Yeah, yeah, just leave and Tiger then of Mountain course, like the mixing song. choices, they got better at mixing. Their Mix mixer better. got better at mixing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And put put he doesn't know why at the and end and make that the closer, and it's the perfect it's the perfect song. That would then it would earn its nine out nine on Pitchfork. Yeah, to me. But yeah, I'd say I'd say it's in it's in like the high sevens, low eights ca- uh, territory. Like just thinking purely <clears throat> in the terms that Pitchfork reviews albums. Yeah. I would probably rank their albums to me. I would say, uh, I would say, Helplessness Blues, Crack Up, then Self Titled, and then Sun Giant is. I don't listen to it enough. I've, I've listened <laughs> to it. I just, I don't know. I, it's hard to rank an EP against a yeah. an album like that because there's yeah. so much more on an album. So I'm, I'll put, I'll put it in the bin, just, just to the side. Well, it's uh, not a garbage can. I promise. Jordan, thank you for joining us today. Um, I mentioned your podcast before, but uh, you want to go ahead and let people know where uh, they yeah, I'll, can uh, I'll find you it. on the internet. Yeah, thank, thanks for so much for having me on. I'm glad I got to talk about Fleet Foxes with people. Um, if you need more of my voice, you can find me on Jerkin' It, which I do with my brother, who missed his connecting flight um, in my song, <laughs> um, at secretlifepod.com. That podcast is almost over, um, and yeah. we will be starting a new one called Kyle XY. <laughs> and I expect all of the noise space hosts to say it like that, because otherwise it's just the name of the show. Um, you can yeah. also find me on Like Podcast, which is a Yakuza podcast that I do with my friend Argyle. Uh, it's on hiatus right now uh, as the aftermath of a hurricane. Then I do Slappers Only with Max uh, from from Pot of Greed and uh, others. And Matt, you've been on that one. We talked about Halo. Yeah, I made you put me on it because you <laughs> said you were going to be doing Halo. And I'm like, you're not doing this episode without me or I'll kill you. 
<laughs> yeah, we picked uh, we picked Heretic Hero as our our uh, our best song, and then no one voted for it on yep. our poll. <laughs> it's a mood piece. Was, I under I get it. I get what happened It there. can't go up against Snake Eater. No, it can't. Like, absolutely it can't. not. Uh, I'm Matt. I do podcasts on the Noise Space Network, which I also do. I, I, I say I host it, but technically Pinecast hosts all the podcasts now. I basically yeah. just manage the website at this point. You're the wrangler. And also, yeah, I wrangle all the feeds to make sure that they display nicely and that my uh, bot that posts episode doesn't mangle the titles. That's most of what I'm doing. Which is um, good. It's good. It's it's fun to do. Um I've really only been recording HKIP lately. That's Henry Kissinger's Pokemon <clears throat> Going to Die. Uh, although they are going to be recording without me tomorrow because I will be at work. And uh, I have other podcasts like uh, Elite Full Restore, which is about Pokemon, and Giants Confirmed, which has been mentioned a couple of times this episode, which is about They Might Be Giants. Yeah. And um, eventually I'll record new episodes of those. I just really haven't felt like it. <laughs> um, I'm David. You can uh, find me on this show as well as the show The Stick which is a Homestar Runner podcast that uh, both Matt and Jordan have been on previously. Um, I don't record it that often, um, mostly because thinking of topics for it is a little bit tricky. Um, but I do enjoy doing it. Uh, so it'll it'll happen. It'll continue happening, you know, every few months or so. Um, otherwise, my Twitter is Dave's with three V's because of waves. Um, and I also, uh, make music as spinning voices. I play with old keyboards and Game Boys and shit, and it's fun. Hell yeah. I, I have cassettes. I, I have my music as a physical object that you can hold in your hand now. Cassettes are so fucking cool. With art by a funny Roy. Yeah. Roy is a, a very, a very talented artist, and I was glad to, uh, have her participation on that. Hell yeah. Roy's good. Um, we, we, and we, thank we you to Nikki Flowers for doing the art for this podcast and Animal Style for doing the intro song, uh, Open Air, from the album Open Air. And as we always say, I had never seen a shooting star before. I had never seen a shooting star before. I had never seen a shooting star before. Thanks, everybody. Bye, gamers. Bye. Bye. Bye.